This is the Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwell, United States Marine Corps retired. Welcome back, American Patriots. The Gunny has a tremendously loaded show for you tonight. The election process is nowhere near over, and we must understand this how the election in this country is actually performed. It is not November 3rd, election day, that determines who the president of the United States is. It's the process called the Electoral College, and we're going to go in detail about that this evening. But I would like to present to you a question. And this question is, can you answer America is not the greatest country in the world? Can you answer that question? I found an individual that can answer that question. Do you understand the electoral college process? If you don't, it's time to get educated and you will get educated on this show Tonight, last but not least, Bonehead Award, gotta have it. And the Bonehead tonight is an individual that says we should not have an electoral college vote. And the bottom line, without the electoral college, we become a communist country. Simple, straightforward fact. Lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. The media cut that I'm going to present to you is very important and you need to listen to every single word that is said in this five minutes of your life because within five minutes you can realize that America is the greatest country in the world. What's interesting is if you go to Google and you search and you put in the Google search, is America the greatest country on the earth or in the world? This is the number one video that you're going to see in that search engine. So as far as I'm concerned, Google screwed up and brought us the truth about that question. Listen up and pay attention to every word. Let's move on to the next question. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Jenny. I'm a sophomore, and this is for all three of you. Can you say in one sentence or less what... <laughs> um, you know what I mean. Can you say why America is the greatest country in the world? 
diversity and opportunity. Lewis? Uh, freedom and freedom. So let's keep it that way. Well, the New York Jets. <laughs> no, I'm going to hold you to an answer on that. What makes America the greatest country in the world? Well, Lewis and Sharon said it. Diversity and opportunity and freedom and freedom. I'm not letting you go back to the airport without answering the question. Well, our Constitution is a masterpiece. James Madison was a genius. The Declaration of Independence is, for me, the single greatest piece of American writing. You don't look satisfied. One's a set of laws and the other's a declaration of war. I want a human moment from you. What about the people? Why is America Not the greatest, greatest country in the world, Professor. That's my answer. You're saying... Yes. You're... Let's talk about... Fine. The... Sharon, the NEA is a loser. Yeah, it accounts for a penny out of our paycheck, but he gets to hit you with it any time he wants. It doesn't cost money. It costs votes. It costs airtime and column inches. You know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. If liberals are so fucking smart, how come they lose so goddamn always? Hey. And with a straight face, you're going to tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yeah, you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. And one of them is there is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in median household income, number four in labor force, and number four in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are, without a doubt, a member of the worst period, generation period ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yosemite? Sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed. We cared about our neighbors. We put our money where our mouths were, and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. 
We were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Enough? The individual that you heard talk about America not being the greatest country in the world no more, his name is Jeff Daniels. He's an actor, to say the least. He's a great actor. And he was in a movie called Dumb and Dumber, where he played a, quote, really dumb individual. But I'm here to tell you this man is a long way from being dumb in real life. I could not have explained to this audience that he is facing the millennials, generation X, Y, Z, whatever you want to call them. It's the best answer he could have given them. We used to be. And we have proof that America used to be the greatest country in the world. And the only reason that we are not the greatest country anymore is because of communism. It's because of men's hearts in this country have left the values of America and God and they have strayed into this dark world of communism and have stripped us of everything good in America. And this election this year has proven that. What the evil that these people in our government, in our country, will do to take over the greatest country on the face of the planet and turn it into a cesspool of evil. It's a true statement. Because we as Americans are refusing to believe that we can actually lose this country. You must understand that. It's important to understand that. And if it wasn't for the founding fathers and the Constitution of the United States, it would have been gone a long time ago. Back in the 20s and the 30s, World War One, World War Two, when Russia and China and Korea and all these other countries were being taken over by communists because they didn't have the Constitution of the United States. They didn't have the electoral college process that we have in America. So do you understand the electoral college process? Does it really click in your mind why it's so important that the country 
set up by the founding fathers is a republic with individual states and those states are the ones that determine our future, not the federal government. But yet, if the federal government is taken over, which they have been by the communists, they will kill every single state in this country. So the Electoral College is very important. I'm not going to sit here and explain it to you in detail how the Electoral College works, but I will play you the next cut from Prager University, which has a better explanation than I could ever give you. I want to talk to you about the Electoral College and why it matters. All right, I know this doesn't sound like the most sensational topic of the day, but stay with me because I promise you it's one of the most important. To explain why requires a very brief civics review. The President and Vice President of the United States are not chosen by a nationwide popular vote of the American people. Rather, they are chosen by 538 electors. This process is spelled out in the United States Constitution. Why didn't the founders just make it easy and let the presidential candidate with the most votes claim victory? Why did they create and why do we continue to need this electoral college? The answer is critical to understanding not only the Electoral College, but also America. The founders had no intention of creating a pure majority rule democracy. They knew from careful study of history what most have forgotten today or never learned. Pure democracies do not work. They implode. Democracy has been colorfully described as two wolves and a lamb voting on what's for dinner. In a pure democracy, bare majorities can easily tyrannize the rest of a country. The founders wanted to avoid this at all costs. This is why we have three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial. It's why each state has two senators, no matter what its population, but also different numbers of representatives based entirely on population. It's why it takes a supermajority in Congress and three quarters of the states to change the Constitution. And it's why we have the Electoral College. Here's how the Electoral College works. The presidential election happens in two phases. The first phase is purely democratic. We hold 51 popular elections every presidential election year, one in each state and one in DC. On election day in 2012, you may have thought you were voting for Barack Obama or Mitt Romney, but you were really voting for a slate of presidential electors. In Rhode Island, for example, if you voted for Barack Obama, you voted for the state's four Democratic electors. If you voted for Mitt Romney, you were really voting for the state's four Republican electors. Part two of the election is held in December, and it is this December election among the state's 538 electors, not the November election, which officially determines the identity of the next president. At least 270 votes are needed to win. Why is this so important? because the system encourages coalition building and national campaigning. In order to win, a candidate must have the support of many different types of voters from various parts of the country. Winning only the South or the Midwest is not good enough. You cannot win 270 electoral votes if only one part of the country is supporting you. But if winning were only about getting the most votes, 
A candidate might concentrate all of his efforts in the biggest cities or the biggest states. Why would that candidate care about what people in West Virginia or Iowa or Montana think? But, you might ask, isn't the election really only about the so-called swing states? Actually, no. If nothing else, safe and swing states are constantly changing. California voted safely Republican as recently as 1988. Texas used to vote Democrat. Neither New Hampshire nor Virginia used to be swing states. Most people think that George W. Bush won the 2000 election because of Florida. Well, sort of, but he really won the election because he managed to flip one state which the Democrats thought was safe, West Virginia. Its four electoral votes turned out to be decisive. No political party can ignore any state for too long without suffering the consequences. Every state, and therefore every voter in every state, is important. The Electoral College also makes it harder to steal elections. Votes must be stolen in the right state in order to change the outcome of the Electoral College. With so many swing states, this is hard to predict and hard to do. But without the Electoral College, any vote stolen in any precinct in the country could affect the national outcome, even if that vote was easily stolen in the bluest California precinct or the reddest Texas one. The Electoral College is an ingenious method of selecting a president for a great, diverse republic such as our own. It protects against the tyranny of the majority, encourages coalition building, and discourages voter fraud. Our founders were proud of it. We can be too. I'm Tara Ross for Prager University. The electoral process is given to us by the Founding Fathers in the Constitution of the United States, not by anyone or anybody in this country and anyone outside of the United States of America. The Constitution is what drives and runs this nation. At least it is today. But we can lose that very quickly. The Congressional Research Service, go look it up on the show notes. This is a government site called Congressional Research Service. And they have a specific document that states the Electoral College, a 2020 presidential election timeline. So if you want to know the truth of the timeline of this election and what is supposed to happen at certain times in this process, check out the show notes and go to the link, crsreports.congress.gov, and you will see the timeline for the Electoral College process. And we are at December the 8th, which is today. It's called the Safe Harbor Deadline. The U.S. Code provides that if election results are contested in any state, and if the state prior to the election day has enacted procedures to settle controversies or contest over electors and electoral votes, and if these procedures have been applied and the results have been determined six days before the electors' meeting, then these results are considered to be conclusive and will apply in the counting of the electoral votes. This date is known as the safe harbor deadline. 
and it falls on December 8th of 2020, which is today. What that means is everything was perfect and all the election results are perfect and all certified by the states, then today is a good day and the Electoral College proceeds. But what happens if the certification process did not happen, which we know has happened in this country? Then the governor of any state where there was a contest and in which the contest was decided according to established state procedures are required, U.S. Code, to send a certificate describing the form and manner by which the determination was made to the archivist as soon as possible. So what they're saying here is, if you meet this deadline, everything's kosher. If not, then we have a problem with the election system. That's where we're at today. So what's next? After that, December 14th, and on previous podcasts, I said we need to pay attention to this date because the electors actually vote for their state. And this is the Monday after the second Wednesday in December of presidential election years is set by U.S. Code as the date of which the electors meet and vote. In 2020, it's December the 14th. If your state has not certified those elections, then they can't vote. And if they can't vote, then once again, we have a problem. If they do not deliver the certificates by December the 23rd, then the designated officials do not receive these certificates. And the certificates of electoral votes results must be delivered to the above-mentioned officials, which is the U.S. District Court, the President, the House, the Senate, all of these different places. These certificates have to be delivered by December 23rd. And if they're not, then something has to happen. So failure to deliver the certificates by December 23rd. If the certificates from any state have not been delivered by December 23rd, the president of the Senate or in the absence of the archivist is required to request the secretary of state or equivalent officer in that state to send one of the copies they hold to the president of the Senate registered by mail. U.S. Code once again. The code also directs them to send a messenger to the judge of the U.S. District Court in the state directing the judge to transmit the certificate they hold by hand to the seat of the government. So by December 23rd, two days before Christmas, if this doesn't happen, the judicial system becomes involved. And I absolutely believe this is what's going to happen. If the judicial system becomes involved, then it goes into the House of Representatives. On January 6th, the joint session of Congress to count the electoral votes and declare election results meets on January 6th. The Senate and House of Representatives assemble at 1 p.m. in a joint session at the Capitol 
in the House chamber to count the electoral votes and declare the results. The vice president presides as the president of the Senate. The vice president opens the certificates and presents them to four tellers, two from each chamber. The teller, tellers read and make the list and return the results. If this process does not happen, then the House has to vote on the President of the United States. And if the House has to vote, there is one vote per state. That's how simple this is. If we can't resolve this election debacle, as I want to call it, by December 23rd, then it will end up in the House and they will have no choice but to hold a vote for the president, and each state gets one vote. And as you know, the majority of the states in this country are Republican, and they can change the election according to what the media said is the real president of the United States. I'm not really considering the fact of this process as being the right way to do business. But I do know this. I'm not that smart. And I yield to the very intelligent people that created this country. And what I do know as a Marine gunnery sergeant and a family and a father of two children and five grandchildren, they are the ones that are going to either reap the benefits of the decision or live in tyranny for the rest of their lives. That's how simple this is. If these Democrats, if these communists get in charge of this country again, in four years they will destroy everything that we know about the Constitution of the United States, and it will turn into a tyranny government. And they will stack the judicial system, they will stack anything and everything, and put their filth, evil minds in charge of the Pentagon, weapons of war, all the departments within the government will have these evil communists running it and if you think the fact of you having to wear a mask is mandatory wait till they take charge and you'll see exactly what is mandatory so if you're wondering how the media is corrupted and the connections that are made you got to listen to this bonehead this bonehead individual is one of the best I ever brought because the media program that he is on is part of what is called RT. And RT is a state-controlled international television network funded by the Russians' federal tax budget. It operates paid TV channels directed to audiences outside of Russia. So these people are being paid by the Russians 
I'm not making this up. I do the research so you don't have to. But if you want to do the research, go to the podcast, click on the links, and you can see exactly what's going on. So listen to this bonehead for today. On Monday evening, Senator Elizabeth Warren did her town hall with CNN where she brought up the idea of abolishing the Electoral College. She said, this is a plan that I think has merit and I think we should pursue it. And she's absolutely right. The Electoral College's usefulness in this country, if it ever even had usefulness, died out a long time ago. Consider the fact that four out of the last five presidential elections, the Democratic candidate won the popular vote, yet they only won the presidency twice out of those five elections. Four-time winners, only two times getting the prize. Does that seem right? Does that seem like the characteristic of a healthy country to you, where the person who didn't actually win, the person that most people didn't want to be president, somehow became president? This is not a matter of Democrats versus Republicans and Democrats are mad that we didn't get to win because the electoral college, that's not what this is about. What this is about is making sure that every vote in this country matters. What this pea brain communist does not understand is this is a republic. It is not a Democrat society where the majority determines what the rule is. It's the states and the constitution was created for that purpose because we have different environments that we live in. So when you vote, which by the way, every vote does count because it counts in your state and then your state legislators take that information and do what's right for your state. That's the electoral college. And because this is a communist paid by the Russians on his, quote, ring of fire broadcast, which, by the way, he reaches millions of people in this country, which is sad. The ring of fire is a self-declared progressive syndicate American talk radio show program hosted by Mike Panettio. Sam Setter and Farron Cousins. The three hosts focus on exposing Wall Street thugs, environmental criminality, corporate media failure, and political backstories that you rarely find from any other source. I wonder why. The show has been on the air since 2004 and is currently carried on 43 radio stations across the United States. The show has ties to RT, which I talked about, the Russian government-controlled news network. So it's in your backyard, like I was telling over and over again. The communists are here, they've been here, and now their ugly head is controlling the government and everything in our society. Can't make it any simpler than that. Pass this on. Get this information out there. Pass the podcast. Share it to everyone you know so they can learn about the truth, the Electoral College, what it really is, and that America is still the greatest country 
in the world. We have to rebuild our education system, our local and state and federal government responsibility in accordance with the Constitution so that the people can still be free from the tyranny and the the Marxism that is happening in our country. Stand up, show up, speak up. This is the Gunny out.